Hey, this is Mike Herrera. You're listening to Magnified Pod. This is a yelling podcast. Shit. From poking at you to plans and everything in between, this is Magnified Pod, the the only podcast that discusses culture, religion, politics, and the entire discography of everyone's favorite left coast punks, MXPX. I'm Andrew. I'm John. This is our podcast. Yes, our newest podcast ever, the Five Iron Frenzy podcast. Wow. Just for this episode. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. That I thought about ha- uh, pod beats and beat casts. But <laughs> <laughs> that I do like our newest podcast ever. God damn it. I wish I had thought of that. It's fucking genius. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So t- today's episode, we're going to be talking with Five Iron Frenzy drummer Andrew Verdecchio or Andy Mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out yeah. what he wants to be called. I, I see him referred to as Andy, so yeah. um, maybe that's... And I don't know. I Let's make it easy for the listener to not to have to differentiate between two Andrews on one podcast. Sure. There's only room for one. <laughs> yep. There's going to be some beatdowns, all right. That's right. Uh, so we'll be talking to... Andrew in a bit, but there's something I want to, uh, confess. Mm -hmm. Somebody that I just recently realized is amazing, who took me years to realize is amazing because as we have discussed on our previous three tumble down, uh, episodes, it took me some time to kind of get into the alt country scene. Sure. I was introduced sort of with Wilco um, and that being like, yeah, this is sort of, you know, has that the earlier records had that alt country vibe, but yeah. they quickly lost a lot of that. Yeah. Um, Sturgill Simpson, of course. Mm-hmm. And after listening to a lot of tumble down and then hearing drag the river, my heart was prepared to find Ryan Adams. Ah, nice. Yeah. And I feel like I've been missing a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I heard gold mm-hmm. back in the day. Sure. And I, I was like, I've heard this is a really great record. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't able to ever fully, yeah. Get into it. And just yesterday, I threw on Heartbreaker mm. for the first time mm-hmm. and was like, wow, this guy's great. Yeah. He's really good. So I feel like now I have many, many albums to look forward to. Of course, probably his entire discography is not. Banger after banger, sure. But Pretty good track record overall, though. What do you? What? Are, what's your um, feeling about about him? I feel similarly. I he's always been somebody that I've <clears throat> liked, and I think I really appreciate him as a singer songwriter. But there are people who are obsessed with him, and right. I've just never clicked into that level. So sure. I probably 
need to do my own deeper dive and just listen all the way through several records at some point. Um, yeah, I do like him a lot, though. I think you're right. The gold is probably uh, the gold standard for him. Uh, I think also, a lot of people say that that Heartbreaker is yeah, maybe that, is yeah. one of his best. Those are kind of around the same <clears throat> stretch, weren't they? Yeah, the uh, Heartbreaker was 2000 and Gold was 2001. Okay. Yeah, he's also a great producer. He's done so many records that I love, and he's producing the new uh, Jenny Lewis album that's coming out soon. Oh, um, wow. But yeah, I I have always liked him. I have not been... So you are clear we're not talking about your first love, Brian, <laughs> Brian Adams. Adams. I also like him. <laughs> Um, don't don't tell Ryan Adams that. I think I've heard some. I've heard some stories about about him, like someone yelling "Summer right. of '69" yeah, at he him, like that. And then, and then, like, I heard the story. I don't. I feel like I read this that he like got off the stage and like went and paid for the woman's ticket and told her to get the <laughs> fuck out. I think that's true. I think him walking off stage is not uh, uncommon, or it didn't used to be. Yeah, a little temperamental, that Ryan. Yeah, from what I've from what I've read and his his early band, um, Whiskey Town, was uh-huh. sort of fraught with yeah similar drums. Did you uh, <clears throat> did you listen to his nineteen eighty nine cover album? Uh, I haven't. I've heard good things. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, he's. That's one of many things with him where I'm sort of like, is this sincere? Like, I think he genuinely likes those songs and just wanted to play them. Right. But it does feel a little bit of a like, huh? Interesting. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I think one thing I've heard is that one argument is that it it sort of reaffirms the quality of the songwriting of that you know Taylor Swift whoever right, right. crafted those songs yeah uh that they're just it's not just because Ryan Adams is great but because right. the songs themselves they're have songs. have the good bones for for a good pop song yeah um <clears throat> one confession i need to make is that inner circle who I shouted out last episode, <laughs> famously oh, yes, the song yes. Sweat, in yes. parentheses, a la 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 long. Because um, you wanted to push it. Right. They did the Bad Boys <clears throat> song. No way. Bad Boys, Bad Boys. That was their big claim to fame, and Sweat <laughs> oh. was the follow-up. Oh, man. So I, I little... feel like I really dropped the ball there. Yeah, little did we know. <laughs> Got to give oh. give them their props. <laughs> credit where credit um, is due. Alt-country legends. <laughs> Inner circle, <laughs> reggae fusion, and, yes. and alt country. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so transitioning from inner circle, um, why don't we listen to a couple voicemails? Let's do it. Um, we have some Riker. We um, he called uh, and left one three minute. Okay. Message. The maximum amount. <laughs> the maximum amount. Three minutes, people. Three minutes. <laughs> uh, and then he called back. So let's uh, let's get in on some of that Riker action. Andrew, John, this is Riker. 
long time, no voicemail. Uh, first of all, Pokenatra, Pokenatra, Pokenatra. And uh, one of my last voicemails, I said Pokenatra. <laughs> so I just don't like you because the Pokenatra. I don't know why I pronounced it like that. I, I normally don't. I think a little paranoid on that now. But um, <laughs> no, I think maybe I was just a little bit jittery. Um, even though I've left many a voicemail, I uh, still had some butterflies in the stomach. I mean, <laughs> calling uh, Magnified Pod is like being a guest on the Ellen Show in MXPX world. So. Sure. I mean, we we have we have said that. Yeah, I do uh, dance into the studio every day. Yeah, I'm the I'm the DJ, uh, and then <laughs> I get the music going, and then John just sort of, you know, shimmies in, shimmies in, and then, um, and then I guess, I guess, um, um, Harry is kind of the audience member who's yeah. like, <laughs> yep, or something like that. That's correct. Sorry about that. Um, Hopefully it's understandable, but um, next I just wanted to say, Sandy Miss High School football rules rules. <laughs> what a time to be alive! <laughs> this is my new uh, favorite MXPX cover song, and December is my new uh, favorite MXPX Christmas song. I didn't think they could write something catchier than punk rock Christmas, but they did. And the new album, as you know, is one of my all-time favorites. So I'm just so grateful to. Uh, be a part of this community during a time when MXBX is better than ever. Mm. So good. So let's just take that piece by piece. <laughs> um, Sandy Miss High School Football Rules as the number one cover. Interesting. What do you what do you think about I'd, that? I'd need to see a little MXPX <clears throat> covers list, you know, which I guess is just the track list from on the cover and on the cover too, mainly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I can co-sign that statement. Just yet? Yeah. I mean, I think for some people who, like, that was that was probably the only Atari's song I knew back yeah. in the day. I didn't, I didn't grow up listening to the Atari's, so that was kind of the, and it, it mainly resonated with me because... Uh, I was a Bill and Ted fan. <laughs> so, That's funny. Yeah, uh, I. Uh, th- this has really revealed what a deep love there is for the, the Ataris. Ataris. Yeah, uh, which they were always one of those bands I liked and I saw a couple times, but like they never really were among mm. my main dudes. But I think for a lot of people, they clearly were. So yeah, yeah. But I do, uh, I do co-sign December. I. I'm, yeah. in, I'm into that jam, I, I'm uh, but Gimme Christmas is also on that <laughs> list. Yeah, I mean that's just their best song, period. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm waiting for the Ataris to cover Gimme Christmas because I think that's the only <laughs> that logical cool. next step. Wasn't there? There was some response to this. Rufio covered some MXPX song, and then there was like a. Let's have MXPX and Taris and Rufio play a show together. I don't know. Anyway. Hey, well, I'm going to be excited for the MXPX 5-Iron show yeah. before I get excited about some other nonsense. I have been wondering who will open for that since um, Chris, right? That's his name from the Ataris, opened oh. um, when I saw MXPX and 5-Iron together last time. So, You think there's going to be 
I think there it, might be an opener for yeah, Fire Iron. There was when I last saw the two together. Interesting, but probably something like that, like an acoustic uh, well, solo, something maybe. Uh, Mike sent out a tweet today. I don't mm. know if you saw. Uh, trying to get Josh Caterer. Oh, to come and hang. Good. I don't know that smoking popes are gonna open, but probably just Josh Caterer. I could see that. Yeah, That'd be well, fun. at least Josh Caterer to come out and do just hang out, and just hang out, and I don't know, show up for one song or something. Yeah, like Mike can, you know, sling him an acoustic guitar, and yeah, I'd be super down for that. Yeah, something like that. And um, the other thing I wanted to say is tumble down rules. Yeah. So the self-titled uh, TV episode. I don't think I've ever agreed with you guys more. Like, <laughs> I just echo your sentiments on everything completely. Um, we expect that from most <laughs> listeners just to tacitly endorse <laughs> yeah. everything we say at all times. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I really, I really value and appreciate when you guys have different opinions on things or, you know, like, you don't like Secret Weapon as much as I do, and that's fine, like... Um, I think that makes us better. Like, I, I, I value and appreciate that. So um, I just want to say, though, like, I am so glad we're on the same page with Tumbledown. Uh, you know, they sound fresh, new, and exciting while maintaining, like, a classic country-western vibe. And lyrically, Mike brings us A-game. So just so amazing. Love it. Um, lately, I've been thinking about an alternative reality where Tumbledown was Mike's first and primary band, and mm. MXDX is just a killer side project. Mm. So, you know, maybe in this reality, uh, Mike was born and raised in Waco, and later on he moved to Bremerton with his family. Fascinating. Hmm. <laughs> Another uh, weird thing that's inside my head, what if there was an MXDX music festival? It could take place over a couple days and feature performances from all of Mike's bands. MXDX, Tumbledown, Arthur, the Cooties, solo stuff. And there would be different stages featuring friends of the band. Uh, like, I'd love to see some social distortion on the country punk stage. And okay. bands like Slick Shoes and Five Iron would be there, too. Anyway, I just wanted to share this dream. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Should we start the Kickstarter for this dream? <laughs> yes. Because I want to see it realized. Uh, I would love... To to have like PX Fest. Yeah, I was trying to think of a name or something like that. MXP uh, Fest. MXP Fest. That <laughs> no, it just sounds like people pissing on each I other. Mean, I assume that'll be part of it too. But <laughs> <laughs> that's that is for the the VIP uh, uh, ticket. Mm, yeah, mm. nailed it. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine a this alternate reality where? <laughs> MXPX, and if he's from Waco, then I mean, move to Waco, we'll hang out. <laughs> maybe it's like we moved to Bremerton, we, we hang out. Maybe, or what about what if Mike was the one that was moving to Bremerton to hang out? Just blew my fucking brain, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Blow my brain, bro. <laughs> I would totally be into an MXPX specific festival. Yes. So, Mike, I mean, hit us up. Hit us up. <laughs> hit up. Hit up us in Riker. Uh-huh. We will be your the main sponsors of yeah, the event. Obviously, um, we will bring in 
I mean, I, I, I imagine like we'll have a magnified pod tent. Well, I assume next to main stage, mm-hmm. um, so people can get all their magnified <laughs> pod, pod merch, merch, all their goodies. Uh, I'm imagining this being like Wayne Stock <laughs> from Wayne's World too, <laughs> and we'll be like, who else is performing? Old woman. Carrying a kayak on her back? No. Anyway. Yeah. Nothing Nothing like a solid Wayne's World 2 reference. I mean, that's how I roll. Crushing it. Um, but let's let's get to, to, the, to that next Riker voicemail. Hey, it's Riker again. Right as I was telling you that I was concerned my voicemail was going to be too long, I got cut off. So <laughs> awkward. But um, I just had one last thing I was going to say. Um, as usual, I have like a list of little things. So I was trying to get through them as fast as I could, but now I have more time. So anyway, uh, the last thing I was going to say is that I'm road tripping to Chicago. Probably cool to do this, but I don't know. I felt like it'd be fun to put it in a voicemail. Uh, yes. My wife and I have tickets for uh, the Friday night show, and we're so pumped. I can't wait to be in the crowd with Meg Podnason. <laughs> um, originally, I was going to uh, start a road trip to Texas on the 28th, but when they announced uh, the shows, I knew I had to change my plans. So now we're driving to Chicago, uh, hanging out on the 29th, and then um, on the 30th, on Saturday, um, we're going to fly to Austin from Chicago. That'll be in the afternoon, so... Um, yeah, I think it'll be a lot better. Um, if you have any, uh, recommendations for places to eat, things to check out in Chicago while we're there, I'd love to hear them. Um, in Texas, we're going to Big Bend National Park, um, but I'm going to be in Austin for a few days. I've never been there before either, so if you've ever been to Austin, have any recommendations, I'm all for it. Um, guess I'm just pulling you into my travel planning stuff here, but, you know, uh, might as well, but... Moral of the story, it's finally happening. Finally getting an MXP at Chicago show. Yes. Finally going to hear, heard that sound with the horn. Yes. Oh, I just can't wait. Can't wait to see you guys. Yes. Can't wait to be in the crowd. All of it. It's going to be so good. And anyway, uh, that's all I had to say. Um, and I think the pizza rolls are ready, so I uh, better go and get those. Toodaloo, many finishes, Meg Pod for life. Yes. Boom. Nailed it. Nailed it. Thank you, Riker. So, okay. Um, this bro has his priorities straight. Pizza rolls. <laughs> He's got the pizza rolls. Purple stuff. He's got... Sunny D. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he's got... Uh, he's rearranging his travel plans. That's right. To fit in a punk rock show. Yep. Which is going to be awesome. We should maybe do a, a segment in a... In one of the next few apps about stuff for people to do in Chicago while they're here. Or something. Yeah, maybe so because <laughs> um, people are going to be looking for for stuff to do. So yeah, maybe we should we should think about that. Um, I was thinking. Uh, I mean, I imagine people if they're in Chicago, we might want to direct them to pizza spots. Sure. Uh, especially if they're coming, like April's coming in from. California, yeah, you know where they don't have a decent slice of pizza to be found. But that CPK, <laughs> California <laughs> Pizza Kitchen, baby, got to get that barbecue chicken pizza, bro. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I yeah. We'll have to give it some thought. 
yeah. we'll make sure everybody's travel uh, arrangements are and needs are met mm-hmm. so their <laughs> their visits are nice and comfortable. Yep. That's our pod promise to you. <laughs> yeah. The the magnified pod promise. Yeah. Your if travel you not, will be comfortable. If if you are not completely satisfied <laughs> with your stay in Chicago, you can speak to John. <laughs> yep. Um speaking of April. What up my dude? It's April. Um uh, so I was listening this morning and I have some comments for John. Uh, John, I was totally thinking about the tumble down full of because it's cool, but I kind of have a no full rule thing for myself. But I did have the thought that if Oliver Peck did it, then I'd be down. So it's really funny that you said that. I swear, man, we are on the same wavelength. Um, also, I think the pod needs to happen. Um, I don't really know about all the Hanson discographies, but uh, Middle of Nowhere, uh, Road to Albertain, we should definitely make that happen. And I don't know. I think I have more to say, but those are just the immediate thoughts that I need to share with you right at this moment. Um, I love you, Andrew. I love you, John. I love both of you guys. I love Nine Pod. I can't fucking wait for Chicago. It's going to be epic. And that reminds me, I really need to buy a plane ticket. Uh, can't wait to see you guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Magpie for life. Yeah. So we love you too, April. Yes, and she just texted me that she did book her flight. Boom. So it's happening. Um, but I think it was me <laughs> yeah. that made the comment about Oliver Peck. Yeah. Uh, doing the skull. Right. Uh, but I did say I'd be down with that. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so let's get him to fly to the show. Yes, we'll and fly. And provide tattoos for us afterward. <laughs> done that's, and done. That's not a big deal. That shouldn't be too expensive, no. right? At MXP Fest, <laughs> we're going to have an yeah. Oliver Peck booth where he's yep. doing tats all day long. Yeah, so just go to mxpfest.com <laughs> slash Oliver Peck tattoo <laughs> booth yeah. uh, for more details. Yep. And what was what was her second her second comment? Um, she's excited about the show. There's something else. Chicago. I don't remember. Hold on. Um, also, I think the M-Pod needs oh, to be oh, yes. How could I forget? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, so Middle of Nowhere was, was my jam. That's so John, the one with Mbop, right? Yes, it okay. is. Um, should we, should we do that next? Maybe. Should we, should we do M-Pod? Or I should, mean, we, should do, we wait? have april for mpod we should probably wait for april to have mpod <laughs> then we might have to be a, a potting on the fly yeah app or something yeah we might we might have to but yes we might need to do that um but maybe i think we actually should do um pods or pods forever yeah we gotta do that we need to do that one um but yes middle of nowhere was my jam when it came out not ashamed, not embarrassed. And, you know, we had a bunch of Danny Stairs. So let's see what this one was. So, guys, your boy Danny Stairs, uh, calling, reacting to uh, John's lament about in his day, God, we're old, uh, how they just released radio edits of songs. So if you have the clean version, it reminded me of Christmas. I was probably, I don't know, like sixth, seventh grade, whatever. Um, and I asked for Smash Mouth, Fush You Mang, 
and my grandma got it for me, but wherever she bought it, like Walmart or wherever, it was the one without the explicit label. I was so disappointed. Worst Christmas ever. So I went over to my cousin's house and um, swapped the CDs out with <laughs> so that I would have the good one and you'd have the shitty one. So anyhow, Magpie for life. <laughs> so can I... I want to. I just want to say, this is maybe not the takeaway from this, but you know how the Google Voice translation is often super, super way off on the most basic of things. Yes. Like for example, for Rikers, his said, "Hey, it's Frank again." Big old Frank. Not our boy Frank. Uh, not even close. However, Google translated perfectly. Smash, smash mouths, fush you, man. <laughs> they got that hilarious. Correct, all of it. Wow, that's unlikely. That's not even a thing. Those aren't even words. <laughs> I mean, and they got it correct. Maybe it's based on like SEO somehow, like. People are Googling Smash Mouth all day. I don't know, Dan, but it sounds like somebody once <laughs> told you the world is going to roll you. Uh, I don't think we can sing that, all, that much of that song. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, somebody. In, I was not aware that uh, there was a very dirty version of <laughs> Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth? <laughs> I got it wronger than Google. I love Smath Mouse. Smath Mouse is my Smash Mouth cover band. Uh, <laughs> catch us did you, this weekend. Who who did you see that somebody did uh, a reversed version of uh, of All Star uh-huh. where they just did all of the lines, the <laughs> lyric yes, lines in reverse? That. There's like infinite number of, <laughs> of versions sm- of, of All Star. Smash um, in his defense, uh, I do remember that first record of theirs being a little punkier. Then uh, was Astro Lounge? Was that their next one? That must be the one that had you know All Star and that stuff. Yeah, that that's garbage. But that first <laughs> one had like Walking on the Sun. That was kind of a jam. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, well, I'm sorry that your grandma bought you the clean version, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> must have, must have been really rough. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, about as, it's about as tough as me getting on the cover and yeah. not life in general. Tough, tough grandma presence all around. <laughs> Sounds like she ain't the tarpest, sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> yeah, uh, for Smath Mouse, she ain't the, the tarpest, tarpest tool. Tarpest shool. This head. is the point in the evening at which <laughs> I become permatongue-tied. And we haven't even been drinking. Nope. This is one of the few episodes where we are actually... Uh, not entirely. stone cold sober. Can't you tell? <laughs> entirely wasted. Um, and this is uh, Danny has um, some issues with me. Mm. What's up, guys? Your boy Danny Stairs again. Uh, call with another complaint. You forgot to put up the spoiler alert again. Now I know what happens in the part of it. Everybody except the one dude gets killed. Matt Damon gets shot in the face. Like I don't even need to watch the fucking movie now. Come on, guys. Spoiler alert. Two easy little words. Saved me a lot of heartache. That's not for life. Yeah, I'll I, start. I'll start throwing up the spoiler alert before instead of after, just like my hashtags. I th- <laughs> yeah, 
We will just say, like, I'll reveal the ending of every movie and be like, oh, by the way, spoiler alert. Spoilers, guys. Um, Yeah, so I have, look at this, some guys Sheboygan. (laughs) That is the new name he needs to add to the list. Some guys Sheboygan. Some guys Sheboygan here again, uh, calling with a counterpoint to Greg's call, the first time, long time caller there um he said that the first time he heard you guys he was a little turned off and i just want to say on the flip side every time i hear your dulcet tones i am turned on <laughs> hashtag fully submerged all right guys back pop for life. thanks buddy <laughs> did he say brett um i don't know that might be a new contender for greg gray what are we <laughs> uh greg gene gene greg, greg. Yeah. greg brett gene greg brett yeah, we we still have not heard from Gene Greg Brett yeah. about his oh, name. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, so <laughs> appreciate the support, Dan. <laughs> yeah, appreciate your full righteous uh, hard on for us. Yep, yep. Uh, What's up, guys? Your boy Danny Stairs uh, calling to question John. Dude is hosting an MXPX podcast. Doesn't know anything about MXPX. <laughs> Yet, uh, when Muppet Babies comes up, he's able to tell us who was an inventive puppet, uh, who the new ones are, that there's this ridiculous CGI, uh, which I had the same exact reaction as Andrew. Fuck that bullshit. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, it's just a little, little strange to me that this guy knows nothing about MXPX, but he's a Muppet Baby expert. Uh, of course, he also Googled it uh, during the pod, which is typical for you guys. So I guess maybe I understand. Anyhow, I'm going to all right, so for anybody who didn't understand that, we mm. were talking about the Muppet Babies reboot that is apparently happening with Jenny Slate as the nanny and uh, them nixing Scooter and Skeeter mm-hmm. and replacing with some stupid penguin. <laughs> and yeah, well, uh, I just want to say last week, Dan gave me shit for not liking the Muppet Babies enough. <laughs> This week, he's giving me shit for knowing too much about them. This is the Poconatch app all over again. Yeah, it is. It's the, we can't we can't please anybody with our can't hot win. takes. It's true that I don't know anything about MXPX though. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, after after doing this for you know eight months or something. Yep. Um, and being a fan since teenage politics, right? Um, we have yet to figure out. We anything. almost know all three members now. <laughs> or I guess they added a fourth, but we don't know anything about that one. You definitely don't know about the fourth member. Um, is it, what is it, Mike Mullen? Is yeah, I think f- so. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. This is uh, Attorney Danny Stairs calling uh, with a tertiary phone call for you. Uh, the reason I use tertiarily in that sense, I did mean it in the third level, because the way I see it is you're an MXPX pot, that's level one. Level okay. two would be your 2Ds, your... Tumble down, maybe okay. your microarray live from the basement. Okay. Level three would be things that are somehow related to either of those. And level four, anything that's not, quote, tertiarily or closer related, would be most of what you guys talk about on this pod. <laughs> so that's what I was talking about. Try to try to keep up. Anyhow, Tulu motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pleased about that new sign-off. Same. Um, same. That's, uh, it was very jarring to hear, like, his lawyer voice at the yeah. beginning. He's like, hello, this is Dan. Yeah, um, I. It does make me a little uncomfortable. So, um, 
Is that it? Let me see. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's probably. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we got, that's enough. That was a solid batch. We'll save some for next time. Oh, here we go. What's up, guys? Your boy Danny Stairs calling uh, in support of my boy John. Andrew, he picked his top three. He didn't Uh like secondhand high. Just got to get over it. Put your big boy panties on. What, do big boys wear panties? I don't know. I do. I don't know if you guys do. Uh, we can compare in Chicago. Uh, you know, I still always rock in the purple underwear just in case. That's what makes you clean. Right. Uh, it's an Old Testament uh, religious rite, I believe. Uh, you just got to read real close to the to those things. And I, I'm a strict strict adherent to Old Testament law only. Um, this kind of devolved. I don't even remember why I called it. Have a good week, guys. That's not for lunch. Yeah, wait. What was he saying in the beginning? He's defending my top three? Yeah, so be, apparently because I like secondhand high. Okay. And it's not in your top three, and I have to deal with it. <laughs> but then you start Got talking it. about panties. Well, we um, did get a, a a message from Tumbledown Instagram account. We did. With a, with a sweet secondhand high live link. Yes, so... Uh, Thanks, there, Mike. There is... <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. it. There is some photographic evidence that they have performed secondhand high live, and Jack Parker fucking shredding like a boss. He's good. And <laughs> I love that the video starts off with Mike asking, "Who's on the pot?" <laughs> <laughs> like he's some like he's some fucking narc. Yeah, that's. Is anybody here on the pot? He says Just, some weird thing. And then, <laughs> then, then, he, then he said like, "I won't tell your mom" or something like that. Uh-huh. What did he say before <laughs> rock and roll girl? He's like, oh, we gotta, it's like circus music. Well, he said that, but maybe it was that one. But he was like, "We got a deal for you. You can't lose." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" <laughs> Anyway, I love I love drunk Mike. I love it too. I love I it. hope to hear it uh, at, le- at least at one of these shows. Yeah, coming up. I hope so. Well, maybe more so the Friday show than yeah. the the all ages family show on, on Saturday. Saturday. Okay, Friday's gonna be dirty. Yeah, so we'll get we'll get we'll get Mike all kinds of Patron shots. Yeah, we will. And uh, Jose Cuervo shots for, for everybody the, else for the rest of the, <laughs> for the rest of the band. I think vice versa. That's oh yeah oh yeah. Mm, Mike gets the shitty tequila. <laughs> yep. Or um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll have to get him. We'll have to get him some. I don't know whiskey of some kind. Some I don't know if yeah. I don't know if Bottom Lounge has any decent full bar. I think they do. They have a. I guess they have a full bar out front. Right. But I don't know. Can you bring? Can you bring stuff into the? I think they have a bar downstairs too. Okay. I could be wrong. Well, we'll find we out. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll get to the bottom of this, uh, figure out ways to get Mike wasted on Friday. <laughs> yep. Um, so why don't we transition to our conversation with Andy Verdecchio? Let's do it. Um, and just give that give that bro a call. Let's do it. All right, John. On the phone today with us, we have Andy Verdecchio. He is the original and longtime drummer for the band Five Iron Frenzy, also um, author and poet with one book out and another coming out this next month. 
And we're going to talk about both of those things with him. Uh, so, Andy, welcome to Magnified Pod. Thank you. Yeah, so you are our first <laughs> non-directly MXPX-related MXPX yeah. person that we've okay. had we've had on the pod. Feels good. It does. Stretching yeah. our wings a little bit. Yeah, we're trying to branch out, get into <laughs> the kind of the larger uh, um, culture of, you know, some post... I don't even know what you, like, call... <laughs> the former kind of Christian music scene, because a lot of the, these, a lot of the bands that we, that we came of age with, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you being five iron being one of them, MXPX being another are sort of, there've been some sort of tectonic shifts in Mm -hmm. some of the, uh, the content of the music. So, Mm -hmm. um, but one of the, I guess one of my first questions is uh, kind of want to get a sense of kind of how how you came up uh, your you know what was your um, family like did you grow up in a Christian home uh, what were your, some of your earliest church um, experiences my earliest church experiences were like. Um uh, back east with uh, my mother was a, a Baptist, not like Southern Baptist, but I don't know what you call that. Just mm-hmm. boring Baptist. <laughs> um, and we went to church on like holidays and stuff like that. We weren't mm-hmm. real religious until we moved to Colorado. And then we joined this Pentecostal church and became very, uh, very religious. Um, it was, uh, you know, all the, speaking in tongues and healings, sure. and faith healings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so <clears throat> that's actually where I learned how to play the drums. Okay. Uh, that you, at the, at the church, you just sort of got in with like the praise and worship team or something and just picked, n- you just sat behind the No, kit? no, they had a thing on Saturday nights called, they called it a door scene. It was mainly just bands that, uh, covered, quote unquote secular songs and change the lyrics to be like Christian. <laughs> sure. Awesome. Um, but I didn't care. I mean, I was, I was 13. So yeah. Yeah. You know, just getting on stage and playing in front of an audience, that was cool, you know? And of course at that time I was, I believed in that stuff. So, so when did you start getting into playing in bands? Was it shortly thereafter? Apart from like the door scenes and stuff like that. Well, like yeah. So I mean, like actual you... bands that are like actual bands. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, I so I, I, I was I assumed it was more of like a like it wasn't just like kind of a jam session, but you were like groups of were you, were they actual bands getting together and and playing at uh, these these doors? No, they were actual bands that had okay. like band names and stuff like that. But, okay. Um, and of course, I listened to all of the, you know, when I <clears throat> when I was coming up, I listened to a lot of the Christian rock at the time. And sure, I was really I was really into uh, Striper, and uh, I really liked Steve Taylor a lot. Mm-hmm. Sure, um, this is back in like '87. Yeah, what were uh, what were some of the names of your bands back then? <laughs> the only one I can remember <coughs> was Crimson Red. Nice, <laughs> nice. Was Crimson spelled like, with a K or anything? 
<laughs> no, not like okay. that. Um, there was another band. There was a there was another band that I played in. Actually, I don't remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. We did like Joe Walsh tunes. Okay, it was me okay. and this guy Roger and his wife at the time. Okay, and um, Roger was like this skinny, like heavy metal black dude. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of looked like the dude from Thin Lizzy a little bit. Okay, <laughs> like super cool. Had a cool like, you know big hair and all that kind of stuff. He wore bandanas around his knees and stuff. Nice. <laughs> I was thir- I was 13. I thought it was cool. <laughs> I actually ran into him recently and he's still, he was playing at a place called Herman's hideaway here in Denver. And he's still doing it. So that's cool. That's cool. So, uh, a little so- different these days, but, uh, we did like Joe Walsh tunes. We did a Pat Benner tar tune. Um, nice. so you weren't like doing, that. you weren't like doing exclusively metal, Back then, it was mostly just classic rock stuff. Okay. Because uh, when did when did you start getting into uh, into metal? Because uh, Exumator was the pre Five Iron group that you you were in that had more of a a metal edge to it. Yeah, um, Exumator was kind of like. Uh... I mean, I only I only played one show with that band. Oh, really? So I, I was I was in it for like five minutes before <laughs> Five Iron started. Right. Okay. Um, but it was that was kind of inspired by like Circle of Dust and um, uh, who was the guy Clank uh-huh. and Scott Albert? Is that his name? From sounds familiar. From like Circle of Dust and Argyle Park and all that kind of stuff was which was what they were kind of going after and. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys were all big crucified fans, oh, sure, right. that, so. yeah. uh, which I was too. Um, but honestly, I, I got into punk way before I got into heavy metal. I got into punk before we moved to, to Colorado. We've talked a lot about, um, on the pod, how for us, five iron were kind of one of the big early influences in terms of like talking about issues of social justice, um, mm-hmm. and how, unusual that kind of was for the christian alternative music scene um was that something that was like intentional that you guys wanted to establish with the band or did you kind of fall into that how did that happen um i don't know that it was like intentional from a band standpoint sure uh reese those are the types of things that reese that are important to reese Mm -hmm. so of course you know he's going to write about what he finds interesting and is, uh, inspires him to, you know, write. And so that's kind of just the direction it headed Sure. just because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for, for us and for a bunch of people, it was like bands like you guys and MXPX and others who were sort of questioning the Christian world, um, within the lyrics and within the scene that was inspiring for a lot of us. Cause yeah. you know, that scene was sort of, there were things that were and weren't allowed. So to get little cracks of real punk kind of questioning that felt really good. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, we never wanted, I think it was intentional to not be status quo. Sure. You know, uh, we did want to branch out a little bit. And uh, I think uh, at that point, the thinking was not every Christian song has to be about a Christian topic. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think, like for instance, one obviously one of Reese's big things is uh, how the Native Americans are treated and sure. in our country and stuff like that. 
and uh, so he writes about that a lot. And you know, that's a uh, that's a topic that's important to him, but it's not necessarily like a you know, it's not it has nothing to do with Bible study or right. Christian politics or anything like that. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, you know, the, one of the things that I've read quite a bit about bands that were Christian some years ago and maybe not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. I was curious that as a band kind of in that scene, um, were you seeing bands that were sort of claiming Christianity, at least by association or lab- record label, um, maybe using that more as marketing? Or do you feel like a lot of the bands that you were playing with at the time were sincere in their professions of faith? I think both are right. So uh, think about when like most bands start, mm-hmm. right? How old most members and bands are when they first start playing shows and stuff like that. Usually late teens, early 20s, right? Sure. Yeah. So at that time, they may have been, their faith may have been very fervent. And, um, they may have been, you know, fully uh, espoused to the cause and the belief system and all of that. But as you grow older, you're, you see the world differently. And as you try out, like, a, you know, for bands that travel out of the country, you know, you s- sort of see how other people live and you see the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then especially with us, you know, we, we did, you know, we, we took a lot of bands out on tour with us and we, you know, open for a lot of bands that weren't Christian bands. And so you kind of see the way things, uh, the way things, the way the rest of the world works and operates. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's only natural to start kind of going, Hmm, this is, this is interesting. You know, what does this mean to me? And then for me, that meant, you know, beginning to question my faith and, and not necessarily believing the things that uh, the band was espousing. But I, but the thing you have to remember is, you know, I'm a drummer. I don't write it. Well, I've written a couple songs, uh, the music to a couple songs, um, parts here and there and stuff like that. But, you know, it's not like I'm writing lyrics. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you asked me, um, I would say that Five Iron kind of, stopped being a Christian band right around the time Electric Boogaloo came out. Right. Okay. But um, that's only because of where I was at, right? And I felt like a lot of the guys were kind of really becoming disenfranchised by the Christian music machine, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, the Christian label thing and all that, and how it was just sort of just seemed kind of silly to us. At least yeah. to me, anyway. I shouldn't. I shouldn't speak for the whole band, but um, but if you ask, say Reese, he would say we're still a Christian band. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, even though two of us are non-believers, so right. You know, and it, he's right in that he's the lyricist. You know, the main lyricist, him and Dennis, and they're both very Christian. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they're both on different sides of the political spectrum. I would. Mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. I don't want to drag politics into it or anything like that, but they're definitely both, uh, both believers. Yeah. 
we uh, we regularly drag politics into our discussion, so that's <laughs> yeah. Fine. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, I, mean, I just don't. I don't want to drag their politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's fine. Yeah, we they can speak for themselves. So how how have you been able to to kind of find that balance? I mean, have you been able to kind of make peace with the perception of the band as Reese him thinking of the band as one thing and you thinking of as another? There are two manifestations of the band, right? There was the first manifestation, which was the first uh, fistful of records from upbeats and beatdowns to um, the end is here. And that was very much part of the Christian machine and the, the Christian uh, uh, music industry. You know, mm-hmm. when we reformed, the reason we reformed was because we're all still friends. We missed each other because some of us had moved to other states and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we, um, you know, we reformed on, on, under the under the blanket of sort of friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why I say that it's different now with the, with the current, with the current lineup, the way it is and stuff like that. I mean, we still, we don't do the whole, you know, worship songs at the end and all that stuff. Right. I I think partly because Reese knows it would make Scott and I very uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But by the time we were doing, uh, doing the tour for electric boogaloo, I was walking off stage at the end of every new day, every new day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, respectfully, I would walk off stage. And, you know, I didn't want to draw attention to myself. Like, hey, look at me. I don't believe this shit. Right, right. <clears throat> as far as that's concerned, you know, there's there's two manifestations of the band. The first part was definitely very much a Christian band on a Christian label. And now we are just sort of a band. And some of the members are Christian. The majority of the members are Christian. And two of us are not. I'm curious about expectations because as somebody who's never been in a hugely popular band, how you temper those expectations of fans who uh, grew up with upbeats and beatdowns being this very ska-centric record with this certain kind of Christian message, and and then moving on to... A as you talk about the sort of secondary phase, um, and kind of what fans expect from a band, I gotta imagine there's there's part of the band that's got to be like, I don't really give a shit. There, I mean, we're gonna do our own thing because it's our own art, which has kind of been the whole message of Five Iron from the very beginning. It's like, you know, who we're gonna do our own thing. We don't care if you think we're cool or not, but. Mm-hmm. But then there's got to be some of the, you know, we're going to play the hits and play what fans expect. It's sort of a long-winded, rambling question, but... No, I mean, we play old stuff. Almost almost our entire set is old songs off of the first uh, group of records. Mm-hmm. We only play, like, this opening slot for MXPX in Chicago. I mean, we're only playing two songs off of... Um, um, what was our last record called again? <laughs> Engine of a Million Plots. <laughs> Engine of a Million yeah. Plots. So there's only two. Um, there's only two songs off of that album. Okay. So, you know, um, I mean, we know that a lot of our appeal is nostalgia, you know. So uh, we're not going to deny our fans what they want to hear live, you know. Sure. 
I make most of the set lists. Mm-hmm. I, I put together the set lists and the intros and all that stuff. So, um, and that's sort of my perspective is people want to want to hear the hits. You know, sure. If I go see, if I were to go see, you know, I don't know, pick a band from like the '80s or something like that, the Dead Kennedys. Sure. You know, I wouldn't want to hear a bunch of. But just spoken Jello, word. Jello Biafra, yeah, <laughs> Jello Biafra and the Guantanamo Bay stuff. I mean, I like that stuff, but I'm there to see the Dead Kennedys. You know sure. What I mean? if, yeah. they were to, if they were to play a show. Yeah. You know, so I would want to hear Dead Kennedys songs that I'm familiar with. And um, I, I just think it's kind of cheesy to dump a bunch of new songs on fans. You know, you have to cover your whole... It's It's difficult the older you get and the more albums you have out because you have more material... Yeah. And you have to fit it into, you know, in this case, you know, 30 to 45 minutes yeah. op- opener slot for that, you know, because you're opening for the whoever the headliner is. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then if we're headlining, it's maybe an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes tops. I don't even think we've ever played that long. We might have on the last on the last go around, but. You know, you have to put all of that material in there, even though that sounds like a lot of time. That's a right. lot of, that's a lot of, I mean, I don't know how many songs we've written, but it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, there was a while there where we were putting out a record, a full length record almost every year. I mean, that, that kind of gets into something I was going to ask about, which is you had talked about and in, in different interviews, I think kind of part of what had um, made you guys stop the first time around was that you were feeling sort of like you either wanted to go all in on this thing or kind of be done with it altogether. Um, so what, yeah. yeah. I mean, we were, we were playing, you know, we, I mean, we were, there was no reason for us to be dropping off because we were still packing houses. Sure. Right. You know, but we were just, we just were not, hitting the road enough and not working enough in my opinion mm-hmm. and so i was just like look guys let's either shit or get off the pot right you sure. know what i mean we're wasting our i'm wasting and you know like i don't know when we're gonna go on tour so i can't start any other projects or anything like that you know there was that part and then plus i was not a believer anymore right sure. i didn't believe it. I, I at that time i would say i was an agnostic i kind of maybe a deist at best but um you know, that was sort of the catalyst of the conversation and it sort of went from there. Other people had their own views and ideas and stuff like that, but um, I just kind of sparked it off that way. And some sure. people felt the same way and some people didn't want to do it at all anymore. They were tired of it. So with the current iteration of the band, like, is what makes you want to play and being excited about being engaged the fact that it's kind of you do shows kind of when you can because you guys are buddies and want to do that? You know, is it, um, like, what makes you want to play now, you know, excited about playing now? Um, it's fun. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a weekend, right. you know, that I get to go to another state, have fun with my friends. I get paid for it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, what other reasons do you, does somebody need to to do a thing? You know, totally. it's fun. It's I all of us get a lot of enjoyment out of it, and yeah. we get paid for it. It's yeah. great. 
yeah, it's a really great time. And we love the, you know, we love the people that we see on the road, the other bands and stuff, or the, the shows that we do, the other bands that we see and stuff like that. It's great to hook up with old friends and stuff like sure. that that you haven't seen in a long time. So, mm -hmm. so let's, let's travel back in time a bit. Um, because you, you guys have been doing, uh, especially in recent years, you've been hooking up with the dudes from MXPX and mm -hmm. doing, um, various shows. Um, I think the last time you were in Chicago with MXPX, it was, what was it? Five years five ago? Five years ago, six. It's, a little, it's been a little while. It's been a minute, yeah. Uh, it's been a solid minute. So, um, do you remember, um, the f first time you heard MXPX or saw them or kind of what, um, before you even started playing, shows with them like what you what you th thought about them as they kind of you guys kind of came on to um because they came onto the scene um you know five years or so before you guys what what, what right. were you th what was your first introduction to them uh poking at you that album yeah 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 i mean it that album is stellar record you know i mean most people say life in general is their favorite at least i mean that's probably you know as far as production wise and songwriting goes that's probably my favorite but just as far as a straight punk record yeah mm -hmm. poconatcha is a great record man yeah you know, it's you know for a, for three kids three high school kids mm -hmm. putting that record together as fast and as you know relatively technical as mm -hmm. it you know as it was for young kids that it still to me, I think it really holds up even though, you know, Mike might bristle at some of, some of the songwriting and the lyrics or whatever. But, um, I think there, you gotta, yeah. I think you gotta embrace that stuff, man. I mean, you're not the person you were back then. And, you know, it kind of reminds you where you came from. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's just my opinion. Of course there are, drum tracks from back then then i'm like Ugh, we didn't take that we didn't do another take on that why <laughs> right, right. but um i think they sound great <laughs> yeah thanks <laughs> um no i mean uh i think that record's great and then we opened for them in blenderhead in denver nice before we had a full horn section we, we all we had was brad that was it just trumpet hmm and uh, most of the set was punk, and it was at this place called the Ozatlan Theater. Mm -hmm. And if I remember right, it was maybe it was snowing outside, and Tom had replaced Andrew. I think was their original guitar Andy, player. Yeah, 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 Andy. You know, I got to meet Yuri. Yuri's super nice to me, and that uh, that really had a huge impact. Was just the fact that they were just really nice guys. Yeah. yeah. We played with some other Christian acts uh, back then, and some of them were not so nice and didn't act. Hmm. They did. They were. They didn't act so well, yeah. unsupervised. You know, interesting. What I mean? Interesting. Yeah that that's the kind yeah. of thing that for me back in the day when I was very very Christian, if I were to learn something like that. I think I would have been 
significantly bummed out. Yeah. I think it probably well, would've. this wasn't this just this wasn't like I, I'd been in the Denver punk scene long before I joined Five Iron Frenzy, mm-hmm. and so like people smoking and drinking and stuff like that I, I was just came with the territory. Sure, you know, you play clubs, people smoke, people drink. It's not a big deal, right? What I'm referring to is just being an asshole. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like being full of yourself and acting like an ass, and right, you know, and being sort of disrespectful. Like, for instance, our house we had we lived in this house um, on Sixth and Pennsylvania downtown, and uh, uh, <clears throat> we all lived. Well, most of us lived there, and um, I seem to recall uh, like a three a.m. Uh, situation that had to do with fireworks and a band that was staying at our house mm-hmm. and it was like super not cool it's kind of a dick move yeah yeah not just for so, your house but for the entire neighborhood what the hell yeah exactly you know so super so, tones um, or who are we talking <laughs> no i'm not gonna, i'm just kidding i'm not, I'm gonna, just kidding. I'm not gonna throw any bands under the bus no. that's not cool to do either no of course we're kidding <laughs> yeah um but speaking but, speaking of uh supertones i they were like when i compare various 90s christian ska bands they were they were a band that i feel like were very they took themselves very seriously they were very earnest and um what was it was his name matt was that was that mm-hmm. right um would take time in his sets to like preach and um and that (laughs) yeah like that that's the sort of thing that um it's a very different approach to a band that Uh you're using it as sort of matt Matt wasn't the preacher jason was oh was that jason carson was the guy that would would pull out his bible okay a little give a little mini sermon in the middle of the set. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't yeah. remember who it was, but using, using, um, the band as sort of this, um, vehicle for ministry versus it just being art or just being fun or using it to bring people together for enjoyment. Um, I I don't know if there's I don't think there's really a question in there more just an observation of just the different seemingly different approaches or maybe functions of the band because a lot of their songs you'd be hard pressed to find a supertone song that wasn't shoehorning some sort of Christian message. Well, that's what the song Litmus is about. Mm-hmm. The Five Iron song Litmus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what's the chorus Litmus, litmus test? piece of paper right 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 uh, um can you formulate your maker or something mm-hmm. like that yeah like our whole thing was like with reese it was like you know if i feel it i'm gonna say it if not i'm not gonna say it we're just gonna roll with it and there were some some places that we would play particularly this place in pensacola florida and they did not they were not down with us like playing it by ear like that hmm. they were like demanding that we have like an altar call and all this stuff at the end of our shows. Oof. Interesting. And, uh, you know, Reese was just like, you know, I mean, Reese is someone that if uh, like, 
especially if you're someone on the outside and you're trying to force him to do something, he's going to dig his heels in. He's just not going to do it. You know? Yeah. I mean, part of that was that just, you know, that punk rock attitude that we had, you know, that sort of don't trust authority kind of thing, you know, and uh, sort of like that chip on your shoulder kind of kind of thing. That's because we, we all grew up, you know, punks. Yeah. Right. For the most part. I, at least I know yeah. I did. Yeah. You know, I discovered punk rock in seventh grade. And that's, that's if I don't include listening to my brother's records, like, you know, Iggy Pop and mm-hmm. Patti Smith. And he had the Ramones' first record and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I used to listen to that stuff, but that was just like rock to me. Right. I didn't think of it as punk rock. It wasn't until I discovered the Dead Kennedys and Black Flag in seventh grade that I was like, yeah, this is my shit right here. This is <laughs> fucking great. Like, yeah. I want to, I want to smash something while listening to this. I'm so angry. You know, yeah. I'm in seventh grade. You know, I'm, uh, I'm losing my freaking mind. My, my, you know, my frontal cortex is coming online. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, my hormones are going nuts. I, I all I want to do is find something to stick my dick in. Yes. No girls are interested in me. Oh God. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, and, uh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> and, um, and then punk rock came along and I was like, this is, these are my anthems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pissed. Yeah. You know? I don't know why. I don't know why I'm pissed, but I am. And you know, this music sort of makes me feel better about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To take that, that dick sticking energy and take it to the pit instead. <laughs> no, no, I think I took it. I think it took it to my bedroom with yeah. a box of Kleenex in the Sears catalog. Sure. Sure. Yeah, sure. We've all, uh, pre-internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sears catalog, Chadwick's of Boston, you know? Sure. Yeah. Whatever, the, whatever had the, the, the women's underwear section. Yeah. I think I caught a pubic hair in that one. <laughs> Oh, yikes! Is that a nipple showing through? Yeah, exactly. That that was that was probably much more likely in the seventies and eighties. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember that uh, Sports Illustrated had a lingerie thing for a little while? It sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, they, aside, aside from this, the aside swimsuit? from the swimsuit issue, they had a lingerie thing that they put out. Or maybe it was something else. No, I anyway, don't I just remember a, I remember a lingerie magazine and I remember and, the I remember the first um, uh, Sports Illustrated Illustrated swimsuit that I saw. <laughs> I think it was like sixth grade, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Is how is this? This just this just came in the mail. How is this okay?" <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Taking it to school and being like, "Guys, oh my god!" <laughs> so like, I. I you know, all my friends, their dads all had Playboys. But my parents never did. Sure. I think it's because my dad was a Catholic and he felt bad about everything all the time. Yeah. He was raised Catholic. We didn't, we weren't Catholic. I had to fill the spank bank with other interesting <laughs> things that, you know, like. Good to use your imagination. Exactly. I don't know what's under there, but I know it's good. <laughs> and I know that it's going to make me feel good someday. Um, trying to think of how to transition, <laughs> uh, but soft core porn. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is a through line throughout, uh, Christian rock. Well, I mean, but. we, 
you know, I, we have, we actually, in a couple episodes ago, we, we talked about, um, the purity movement, um, of the, of the nineties and sort of trying to get kids to commit to, um, waiting till they're married, uh, to have sex and, um, and, um, just all the shame and everything that came with trying to be like, sex is bad until Mm -hmm. you're married, then it's good. And a lot of that kind of, uh, guilt and shame that came along with it. A lot of which... Who is the singer? Who is the, the female singer that was like, I'm a virgin? Uh, um, I Rebecca don't, something, I think. Oh, I don't remember that. I'm but Rebecca there was, something and I'm a virgin. And she and she would... Oh, Rebecca St. James, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm Rebecca St. James and I'm a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Like, really? Like, you're saying that from stage? I'm the drummer from Five Iron Frenzy and I'm definitely not. <laughs> that the, what the fuck does that mean? Right. Like, what does that have to do with anything at all? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's all about purity. And if you're, you're more pure, if you abstain and purity, I guess, is what God wants. And so therefore you're more godly and it's, it's a whole, it was a shitty. Yeah. I'll be shitty. honest with you. Like that was a big sticking point. Like the whole sexuality thing was a big sticking point for me and part of like why I started questioning Christianity and religion mm-hmm. altogether was the way the church dealt with human sexuality or, or yes. LGBTQ. All of it. Yeah. All of it. You know, um, all the guilt and shame for like boys that are masturbating. Yeah. It's the most natural thing in the world, dude. Yeah. Look I, around nature. Fucking yeah. monkeys do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, biological yeah natural thing and uh you know and and as far as sex goes you know it's like you can tell kids all day to remain abstinent right but i guarantee you at least some of them no matter how afraid you've made them and how much guilt you've shoved down their fucking throats they're still gonna do it sure so then what happens afterwards because now they have all this extra guilt that they have to carry around that you've you know, yeah. imposed on them before they are even able to make up their mind on almost anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. You yes. know, and then of course the whole, um, like the conversions ther- therapy and stuff. And, right. It's evil. Uh, that's, that's just so fucked up, you know? It's evil, man. When did that whole transition begin for you? When you, when did you first start, um, I mean, with this issue that you were saying, that's kind of what started. Um, but when did you, did you have sort of a kind of a light bulb moment or was it sort of a, most, most people, um, most people that are raised in some sort of religious environment don't have a light bulb moment. It's a, it's a very long, long struggle. Yeah. You know? Uh, oftentimes it's a struggle of trying to convince yourself and, you know, that what you believe is true and, and, uh, fear takes over and starts dominating your, 
your thoughts of fear, fear of like hell and stuff like that. Yep. If you're someone like me, things that I'm afraid of, I have to know everything about. Mm. Right? Like I, I have this fear of spiders. So for like two months, I just learned everything I could about spiders. I'm still not okay with spiders, but <laughs> now I know about them. Sure. Right. You know what I mean? So did um, you, on that, to interrupt for one moment, have you ever sure. traveled to uh, Australia? Because no, the, no. Spi- the spiders alone that I've seen online that live in Australia are enough for me. The most venomous spider on earth is in Australia. The, it's the, enough, funnel, the Sydney it's, funnel web. It's an, enough for me to never want to go ever yeah they've got they've got red backs there that are kind of like uh black widows here yeah, fuck got, that um, no fuck that i'm not i'm not going to your uh, desert spider you know country they've got like an equivalent to a hobo spider there but the worst one is by far the the funnel web spider and they've got almost every deadly snake on the planet yeah <laughs> it's like is all there's like at least one on that island yeah you, know, you can't go in the ocean either cause no it's, just got, like, it's blue you, bottles and Portuguese man award, all kinds of shit. Oh my God. But I've never been there. I was going to say, you guys know (laughs) a lot about that. I've been to New Zealand, which is the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing on New Zealand that's dangerous. We have have some Australian listeners. And um, so I I apologize to our listeners in Australia, but Australia terrifies me. And I want to go. One of my favorite bands is from there. Who's that? Who's that? Friends uh, living end, the living end. Oh yeah, talking about upright bass. Yeah, um, yeah. We, uh, I have been to Australia and did not encounter those things. However, <laughs> I, I understand your concern. Um, but okay, were you? <laughs> I feel like you were making a larger point. <laughs> Sorry, before we interrupted you. Yeah, I railroaded your uh, <laughs> your larger point. Oh no, I, uh, it was just that uh, I think one of the sticking points was like. The, the the concept of hell and yes right and um so like i said i was raised in a pentecostal church so i was constantly afraid that i was going to slip up and miss the rapture or something like that God, right. you know or maybe i was not right with god and i got hit by a bus and i would be doomed forever yeah you know did you grow um, up did you grow up with the uh a thief in the night movie oh yeah thief in the night um distant thunder there's three of them okay yeah, there's a just, distant thunder, a thief in the night, and there's another one. And there was one that was called the return. Okay. Did you ever yeah. have um, like do uh, hell houses? Did you? Was yes, that... we did. Yes, <laughs> oh, we did. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had the aborting the boarded babies. Oh my god! Stuff. Yikes. I mean, uh, this this I it, mean, it's really messed up, dude. Uh, like uh, the church that I belong to, and um while it may not fit in the literal definition of a cult, it's a cult. I mean, Christianity in and of itself is a death cult. You know, um, not everyone that believes in Christianity, it believes in, you know, the Bible and Christianity, take it that far, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. But, um, obviously there are levels of, um, sort of, I don't want to say, Levels of belief, you know what I mean? Sure. Right. Uh, so, um, but yeah, some of that shit is just terrible. Awful. Yeah. yeah. L- looking back, you know, it's like, it, it really makes me sick to my stomach that I was a part of some of that stuff. Hmm. 
One thing we've we've talked a lot about on the show is, you know, I think there's something to the idea that if you're burning so bright, can you sustain that long term, you know? And that scene of kind of the 90s Christian bookstore alternative universe um, was one that encouraged such bright burning that a lot of folks that we talked to and, and talked to on the show you know, we're not able to keep that up. And so, you know, just one thing between Andrew and I, like, I think, so I didn't grow up as conservative. And I think for a lot of folks, the more conservative you grew up, the more, um, the more there's a reason to break away from that. And, you know, I've talked about how I grew up kind of on the periphery of evangelical stuff. I grew up, you know, Episcopalian, so I wasn't as affected by it. And I'm still a Christian, but it wasn't that the break that was required for a lot of kids. So, I mean, yeah, that's kind of a long winded preamble, but I feel like, you know, you guys were a, uh, a beacon within the scene for a lot of kids who saw something that gave permission to, um, to question a little bit. And, you know, I remember you were talking about, um, you know, Reese not wanting to be forced into, a certain kind of uh, performance or whatever. And I know you've talked about toward the end of kind of the first iteration of the band playing Mm -hmm. mainly Christian venues and stuff and how, um, you know, that that was an often kind of fundamentalist leaning world. Um, Well, when we first started, we didn't play any, almost any Christian venues. We played clubs around Denver. We played the Mercury Cafe a lot. We played this place called The Raven. You know, I mean, it was mainly in some coffee houses here and there and stuff like that. But, sure. I mean, they were mostly clubs. Yeah. It wasn't until we got signed that we started playing, like, quote-unquote Christian shows sure. and churches yeah. and shit like that. Yeah, and I remember, I mean, it was, like, March 2003, just after the Iraq War started, and Reese said something on stage about, like, we just started bombing Iraq, and a lot of people in the crowd cheered. And I could just tell, like from his response to that and you guys on stage that that's not what he was going for with that. Yeah. And it was just this moment for me of being like, Oh, I'm not like a part of whatever this is. And, um, yeah. It it was little things like that too, that were sort of catalysts for me to go like, man, you know, like some of these people are not good people. Right. Yeah. Bad people. Yeah. You know, um, when I, finally was let my guard down and, and didn't care what people think and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I would, I wasn't like out there with it, you know, like shoving it down everyone's throat, but I was definitely, you know, not ashamed to say that I wasn't a Christian. Right. And, um, I mean, people were brutal to me, Yeah. you know, like, especially like in churches. Yeah. Or... Yeah. That's shitty. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was brutal. Yeah. Um, so, and it's funny, you know, you travel the whole United States and you hear all of the same phrases, mm-hmm. all of what we used to call Christianese stuff, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the same stuff over and over and over. And these guys are all reading the same book and sharing one mind of a person that has, in my opinion, probably a very slight intellect. I think uh, me realizing, oh, I'm one of these people, Mm -hmm. you know, 
what do I believe? I don't know. All I believe is what I've been told to believe. Right. It's, it's like the, that's that, uh, uh, Charles Manson said that. I believe what I'm told to believe, don't you? Mm-hmm. I'm not a Charles Manson fan. <laughs> uh, but, no. you know, like, there is a, a slight element of truth in that. You know, sure. when you're a kid, you believe Santa Claus is real. Right. You yeah. know, you well, believe the Easter Bunny's real. Tooth Fairy. Right. Slowly you become older and you begin to realize that these things are falsehoods made up by your parents to help you behave yourself. Right. And you know, you and can, then yeah. the next logical step is to go, well, what else is a falsehood that's just kept meant to keep me in line? Right. Yeah. You I know. didn't have any reason to not believe my parents or what they right. were sharing with me that they believed um, because – you know, my parents kept me safe. They right. they told me the truth about practically everything else. And so mm-hmm. why would I, what evidence did I have to be like, oh, well, no, I don't believe that there is a, a deity who died for my sins because I'm going to this place called hell. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I was not, I, I bought a lot of that stuff. Um, very, very easily, and I did you, was. Did you did you guys ever used to drive down the street and lean out the window and tell people Jesus loves them? I I fortunately did not do that, but I did give a a, a presentation in high school about we had to give a. It was in one of my communications classes or something. Mm-hmm. Um about the person we admire the most and i did mine on the big guy spoiler alert <laughs> jesus oh. and i wasn't st- josh mcdowell <clears throat> yikes no yeah so i was uh one of those people that john had mentioned about burning bright and i was like super in your face uh about my Christianity to the point where I stood up in front of my high school classes and told them about Jesus or wrote articles for my school newspaper about abortion. Um, that, that kind of thing that Mm -hmm. I, you know, I went to Cornerstone and they had the rock for life tent. And so (laughs) Brian Kemper and I, yeah, I bought all of it Mm -hmm. and I just, and it wasn't until, um, I'm going to be 35 next week and it and it really wasn't until maybe I was like 29 that I really started actively wrestling with what do I actually believe? Am am I That's pretty close to where I was at too around my, in my late 20s. Yeah. It took a long time. I was I was the skin of my teeth. I was holding uh-huh. on to this. I stopped calling myself a Christian, but I was, but I wouldn't deny it. If, mm-hmm. if someone asked me, like if I was a Christian still, I would say, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't deny it. Even though internally I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I believe. Yeah. Have you, uh, checked out the Holy Kool-Aid guy, the YouTube channel? No. Holy Kool-Aid. It's pretty cool. This guy is, I mean, he's, you know. He clearly was deeply influenced by that 90s Christianity, early aughts, 
Christianity mm-hmm. that um that was super like conservative and in your face and uh, yeah. <clears throat> now he's he's also an atheist and his uh, well I don't know if you guys are atheists but uh, I am he is and uh, he uh, he talks about a lot of that kind of stuff it's, his channel's pretty cool you should check it out cool sort of along those lines I was gonna ask we've talked about how we kind of see both sides of this that like you know the alternative Christian scene is kind of gone which is mm-hmm. a little bit sad because it did feel special for us, but also it's, it's probably good (laughs) because of how kind of homogenous it was. Like we were saying, there wasn't a lot of room for, um, anything that didn't look like, you know, X. So I think for kids today, you know, those lines are blurred more. There's not as much of a distinction, but how do you kind of look back on that time? Do you think it's sad and good that it's gone? Do you (laughs) think one more than the other? It's a mixed bag, you know? Yeah. I mean, there were great times. We had a lot of fun on the road, yeah. you know, um, touring with Reliant K and, and um, Switchfoot and the Smiley Kids and the W's and, mm-hmm. you know, and the Insiders and the Supertones. I mean, we had fun on those tours. Yeah. But looking back on it, um, I mean, nobody looks back on their youth and is 100% happy with <laughs> how they acted and stuff like that. Sure. So, I mean, maybe it's more of a mixed bag for me because of the situation, but. You know, nobody looks back at when they were in their 20s and like, I was the paragon of virtue and <laughs> yeah. grace when right. I was in my 20s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Always made the best decisions. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, like I said, it's a mixed bag. I wanted to talk about Ska for a moment because okay. um, there was this sort of decided shift in the music Um, and I remember reading about, you know, feeling like you guys as a band didn't want to just be a part of this third wave ska trend that would likely, um, kind of die out and trying to form a new sound that would maybe kind of carry on into the future. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm curious with, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Back to the Beach Fest. Mm-mm. So it's a festival in uh, Huntington, Huntington Beach that's largely ska and punk bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are talking about maybe a potential fourth wave. Um, you know, you so these, this yeah, man. I saw that on like that's like a thing right now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw it on Facebook. Like, a couple people, like, oh, the fourth wave is coming, and I'm like, yeah. dude, but no, like, <laughs> so uh, have you heard of? The, I mean, if it does, that's great, but have sure. you heard of the interrupters? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, the, they're the like Disney ska band, <laughs> burn notice. Wow, <laughs> I like them, they're my I'm, kids love them, okay, you know, but yeah. they're very Disney sure. ska. You know, that's a bummer. <laughs> I love that. I love that record that they put out last year. Um, um, I like the one before it. Okay. The one with the, the guy and he's like smiling and he's got sunglasses on. Yeah. Like, uh, I, um, yeah, I can't remember what that's called, but yeah, I mean, but, uh, you know, Goldfinger, Real Big Fish, Streetlight Manifesto, Aquabats, Less Than Jake, Say Ferris, to name a few, uh, English Beat. 
are going to be playing at. Uh, they're coming here to Denver, man. I hope I can go to it. Yeah, yeah man. So I, like, I I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, there have been some allusions to. At least you posted something on Instagram last year about some five iron ideas that you burned onto a CDR, um, and whether or not five iron will We're still working on it. So, so there's, I mean, I know here's the thing, man, we don't have a record label and we could do whatever the hell we want. Right. And if, you know, the great thing about that is we can write a record that we're really proud of. Sure. The second part of that is we all have wives and jobs and kids. Right. Yeah. And things take precedent. Things get pushed on the back burner further and further and further. Sure. You know, so, um, but, you know, Scott, Reese, and Dennis have been working for about a year on this record, hmm. uh, back and forth over, you know, sending tracks back and forth over email. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I like it a lot. It's definitely not like any other Five Iron record. Hmm. Intriguing. Um, this, you know, it even goes dub in a, in some places. Ooh, I'm into that. But um, I wouldn't say that we're gonna break any new ground or anything like that. <laughs> you know, what I mean, uh, as far as a, ska, a fourth wave of ska, I mean, yeah. Well, re- real big fish never stopped. Right. Sure. They never stopped. They just kept going and going and going and going. Yeah. I mean, which is probably, I mean, to their. I mean, that's part of why they were able to keep going is because they never stopped. You're saying you would... You, <laughs> you know, are not ushering in the fourth wave of Scott. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. No, I wouldn't say we're ushering anything in at this point. <laughs> no. Hey, well, if if MXPX's uh, year last year is any indication of what a um, successful Kickstarter campaign can do in... 2018 2019 and what fans are willing to you know shell out i mean because well, wasn't you, it didn't five iron set yeah, you, the record for kickstarter did you yeah what was it 20 the year because you did that for your um last kickstarter year. was 2011 right but wasn't that like at the time the most successful campaign ever <laughs> yeah yeah until so. whoever that girl was that that got a like over a million dollars or something like that but she had investors and shit right right anyway mm-hmm. well mm. <laughs> so um let's let's talk murder oh dude now you're talking now okay. you're talking okay so john here um th- something that you two have in common that you guys can talk about because I'm not so much into it as um, horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I was I was curious what some of um, some of your favorite horror movies are, and maybe John could talk about some of his as well. Sure. Uh, what like genre? Recent ones, maybe we can. Recent ones. My favorite it. recent ones. Uh, most of the A twenty four stuff is pretty good. Yeah, man. Hereditary. Hereditary is, was amazing. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, I've watched that movie probably six or seven times at least. Yeah. Blew my um, mind. Um, the Witch is amazing. Ugh, 
so that good. film is so good. Yeah, I watched. I bought Suspiria and I watched it. Um, oh, the, the other one? night. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, yeah, I'm torn on that one because I love the original so much, but I feel like they do a different thing with this one. Uh-huh. So I'm into it. Uh, they definitely. I mean, it's not a copy copy and paste sort of remake. No, no, it's very. They definitely different. do a lot of different things. Yeah, but. Um, and it doesn't have the color palette of the original yeah. Dario yeah. Argento. Right. That's uh, a lot of what kind of one. makes it what it is. But. Yeah, I mean, which is what I loved about the original was the was the reds and the blues and yeah. the, the, the way they really pop out on the screen. It yeah. looks almost sort of, um, I don't know, like techno pop yeah. almost you know, in a way, you know. Totally. Uh, neon, like neon colors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one is definitely more grays and yeah. darks and. So, but it's got that great seventies, you know, fake blood. That's like, (laughs) you know, it looks like, uh, like the red paint that would come in the big tub (laughs) in, in, in grade school, you know what I mean? Right, right. But some of that stuff, it's, 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 it's obviously fake, but it sort of lends itself to the, uh, my attachment to the film. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So, where do you? But I I love I love the I love I mean I like the new Suspiria. I have to watch it a few more times before sure. I really can say oh that was great or it was okay. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I definitely liked the, the first viewing of it. I thought the uh, the Tom York score was pretty cool. Oh yeah, it was great. You know yeah. you know uh, what movies got me into some new bands What's was um, the Void. Oh yeah, that movie's wild. <laughs> Um, the score of, from that was written by a band called Lust Mord. Okay. And their stuff is awesome. It's kind of like... It's so great. Synthy, right? Like... Uh, yeah, it's yeah. really weird. Cool. It's very atmospheric type of music. It's, you know... And then there's another pan- band called uh, Vestigial. Okay. This is, this is really good. Cool. But, um, yeah, The Void was great. Very Lovecraftian type of horror. Yeah. A lot of fun to watch. It wasn't like... It wasn't a real thinker. Right, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. But it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, um, speaking of uh, Lovecraftian, props to your uh, Cthulhu tat. <laughs> thank you. That looks awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, man. My friend Shannon put that on me. That's Shannon that's is cool. uh, who I do the books with, so okay. she's my illustrator. Cool. Um, and I'm her writer. Yes. Well, I, yeah, we'll talk about... Um, we'll talk about... Uh, both October and Little later, if you're if you're okay. up for that. Yeah. But sure. yeah, I'm I'm a fan of her artwork for sure. So that that's really cool. Um, well, this has been the, the horror movie segment. <laughs> uh, okay, we could be if you want to be done. I mean, I'm I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm honestly right now my bigger my bigger attraction is uh, true crime stuff. Right, sure. Transitioning into Andrew's uh, segment, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I've been. Um, so my wife hates hates all that stuff. So anytime (laughs) I, I watch or listen to any kind of a podcast or a documentary or something, I have to do it by myself Mm -hmm. and I just, it's the uh, best way to do stuff. (laughs) Yes. Just lonely with, with no love. Um, so yeah, I just, uh, mentioned this on our last episode, binging the, the, the Bundy tapes, Uh um, four part series, um uh have you have you checked that out yet? Oh yes. 
<laughs> yes. I mean, not. I mean, it's not not really anything new. Um, Here's the thing about um, people that are obsessed with this stuff, like serial killers. Like for me and um, my wife's friend Megan, who I talk to about this stuff occasionally. It's not that we're we're like ooh like these serial killers are cool and they're our heroes. Right. It's it's it's, it's exactly the opposite. It's like what what was going through their minds when they were doing this shit? And right. And also, what's even more interesting to me is the sort of detective element. You yeah, know, yeah. the police work that's done, and uh, for instance, in the Bundy case, you know, like uh, part of his. Um, one of the things he used to his advantage was the fact that police wouldn't share information across even county lines, not right. even just not even just state lines, you know. And, and there was no easy way to do it, even if they wanted to. Yeah, you know, um, it was all rotary phones and and U.S. mail. Yeah, like they, it says in the like it says in the uh, like it says in the documentary. Yeah, um, so he could always be a step ahead of everybody because. Yeah. Like yeah, you they could send some information, but he could probably be in another state by then. Bundy's Bundy's interesting because he's an enigma. You know, I mean, he's this he's he's almost like a, a Manson kind of figure. Yeah, you know, um, obviously he's very charismatic. Well, he was a sociopath. Most sociopaths are are charismatic. But um, yeah, but being a good-looking dude didn't hurt either. Right, right. I think if you charming. If, if he was if he was ugly and 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 kind of brash then mm-hmm. i think it would have been probably would have been a different story right right if you were he wouldn't have been able to coerce maybe as many people if he right were as well when you when you look back you know when you when you go through these um these different uh serial killers they never look like it's the one of the quotes from that series that really got me was, you know, a serial the serial killer the killer isn't isn't ever what you expect. It's not a snarling, drooling, <laughs> you know, crazy maniac looking guy in the in the with a twirly gonna, with a twirly mustache or like yeah yeah or or yeah um, with pointed teeth or whatever <laughs> yeah right uh, it's it like Dennis Rader is a good example. You know, he looked like he went to church. He, you know, took his kids to church. He looked like the guy next door, but he brutally murdered and strangled all these women, you know, in, in park Kansas and, uh, in the 1980s, seventies and eighties. Yeah. Or, um, you know, or Albert fish, you know, this, Mm -hmm. this old distinguished looking gentleman that, he was an old man, you know. That was definitely mm-hmm. not what people thought of as as a serial killer. Hundreds of people. Have but, you checked out uh, Web Sleuths at all? I haven't. The no. Website. So it's a it's an online uh, forum for people that are trying to serve so, uh, solve a uh, uh, current um, like missing persons cases and. Um, it's just a, it's an international network of people that, that connect on this website to, to get information. And, um, I learned about it through this series called the killing season. <laughs> Did you ever see a documentary called, uh, killer legends or cropsy? Oh, cropsy is really interesting. I, I saw that. Yeah. 
Cropsey is good, um, but it's the same two that did those two okay. documentaries. It's called okay. the it's called the Killing Season. It's about the it's about uh, Lisk, the Long Island serial killer. Mm. That's where I found out about it. That's a really good series too. Much longer and much more frightening than any other serial killer documentary I've ever seen. Hmm. Who's the long haul trucker guy that got caught? Can't remember his name. See, I'm like I'm like I'm kinda like a uh like a almost like a, a stay at home mom. <laughs> Because I just watch – I watch serial killer documentaries and read serial, serial killer books and murder mystery books. Right. So my friend Megan, the one I was telling you about, yeah. uh, uh, a friend of my wife's, she just texted me like a couple minutes ago. I didn't – I had my phone on silent, but she's like, did you watch the Bundy tapes yet? <laughs> I was like, like, yeah, man. I think the, the takeaway that I mentioned last episode was uh, if you wanted to – increase your chances of being of getting away with murder all you had to do was kill somebody um before dna was discovered as evidence <laughs> what was the uh the john mulaney bit where he's like <laughs> yeah like in the old days <laughs> yeah it's like it's like it's like Oh, the, sir, there's uh, there's blood all over the floor. Mm, <laughs> the, the, gross. Gross. Bop yeah. it up. <laughs> now back to the my meantime, hunch. Let me talk about my hunch. <laughs> right. Yep. I know uh, what we'll do. Let's we'll draw put us. tape around his body. So, so we, we know, know where he was. was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, fellow yeah. fellow Mulaney head over here. Oh yeah, yeah. He's great as Peter Porker too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I oh yeah. I've yet I've yet to see the Spider. Oh, it's pretty awesome. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's the best Spider Man movie. Oh, it's pretty man. cool. Looking. It looks it yeah. looks yeah. super cool too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I did appreciate. I heard he had a uh, some uh, R rated outtakes. Of oh really? That he I didn't did. know about that. <laughs> yeah, they they showed this. Oh, Mulaney did. Yeah, Mulaney did. <laughs> so they they showed uh, the clip. I think it was on Seth Meyers, where they they showed the this little clip of him. Just they were like, "Yeah, just say whatever you want," and mm-hmm. and so he was just like saying all sorts of you know obviously inappropriate stuff that would never oh, make never make it into the movie. But that's funny. Yeah. It's funny as hell. So there's a there's a few there's a few books you might be interested in too. Um, the uh, 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 I'll be gone in the dark. Obviously. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I was gonna bring that up. I've I uh, yeah Michelle McNamara. I've yeah. Um, I've been wanting to I've been wanting to read that and and to me it just like how that case came about. Yeah. You know just so soon. Um, after, after she, she passed after away, she yeah. died, it just felt like it, it, it feels like poetic in a way that, um, uh, but also just so cruel yeah. and unfair and, um, but yeah, that like when she, when she died, it was just so, um, heartbreaking and, mm. Um, but yeah, I have been meaning to. Um, it's great. It's so good. Her her I've writing is. I've only read a little bit, but her writing is pretty incredible in that book. Um, um, another one is called. Uh, there's one about Ted Bundy called Killer Beside Me, which is pretty good, and of course, mm-hmm. BTK about Dennis Rader is pretty good as well. Speaking of 
good writers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah, I nailed it. Um, so let's talk Speaking about. Speaking of good writers, let's talk about somebody else. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Michael <laughs> Crichton. <laughs> what do you really think about the firm? <laughs> um, so. Uh, October, a book of mm-hmm. poetry, derangements, and curiosities, uh, um, came out in 2017, mm-hmm. and you have um, a new book, Little, coming mm-hmm. out on February 11th, which mm-hmm. is, uh, as the description says, it's it's a children's book, but it's about uh, a nightmare, and it's done. In rhyme. Uh, it was it was birthed from a nightmare. Birthed from a nightmare. Okay. Yeah. So um, first, let's talk about um, your your writing style. I haven't I haven't had a chance to read either of these um, mm-hmm. these books. So um, when did you start writing poetry um, and kind of how? What was the th- the genesis of, of starting to put this, these works into books? Um, I've always written poetry. I never felt like I was any good. Um, there's still some, there's still some doubt there as well, <laughs> whether I'm any good at it, but, um, sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I've written poetry since I was in high school. I never would show it to anyone. I would just stick it in a manila envelope or whatever, and it would never see the light of day. It was just me writing down my feelings or whatever. Sure. <clears throat> you know, mostly stuff like, fuck this place, I hate this guy, <laughs> yeah, this chick right, broke right. my heart, she's, you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> my parents don't understand me, stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, basic uh, 90s emo. <laughs> Sounds topics. familiar. It wasn't until shortly after Five Iron got together, uh, Shannon, I was sharing some of the stuff that I had written recently with this friend of mine, with, with Shannon. And um, she's like, would you mind if I just drew this? I'm like, yeah, sure, take it with you. I don't care. Go ahead. So she started drawing. Like, she took a couple poems home, and, you know, she drew up these... Uh, little sketches and stuff. I was like, wow, that's really great. You know, you make, you make me look really good. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, oh, let me take a couple more home. And then eventually it kind of turned into, you know, we should put this together and really work on these and put this into a book. And that turned into, why don't you write a couple short stories to throw in there as well? And, uh, you know, I had written a few short stories in college and stuff like that, but, few of those short stories ended up in there and now all of a sudden I really enjoy writing. I just, I really enjoy going places in my mind that are different and unique and trying to write in a way that is very descriptive, but mm-hmm. not in just like the wall is red, the, you know, the floor is brown. Mm-hmm. It, like, you know, like really, really using colorful really descriptive words. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, as far as my poetry goes, it's really just uh, when I look when I, I when I go back and I read the stuff on in October, it's very self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. It's um, 
that's a lot of grumbling and moaning, um, which is, you know, I mean, that's where I was at the time when I wrote a lot of this stuff. So, sure. you know, I was in a kind of a dark place. And so I wrote a lot of dark stuff and it was very woe is me. I'm, I'm trying to get out of that kind of frame of mind. I still want to write um, horror. Uh, yeah. Two of the stories in there could be considered horror stories. Nice. But um, what I want to do now is write horror that's aimed at a younger generation. Hmm. Cause like when I was, when I was getting, becoming interested in horror and stuff like that, it was all, I mean, it was the mid eighties, you know? Sure. Uh, so it was a lot of like Freddie and Jason and stuff like that. Right. Um, which really wasn't good on my, you know, 11 year old psyche. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, the first, the first film I ever saw that was a horror movie was Frankenstein with my dad. Okay. And, um, that really made an impression on me. These other films were just, there was, there's no story. There's nothing happening. It's just a dude that's going around, you know, cutting people up or like, you know, what's, it's, it's, it's like Taco Bell of horror movies, right? You know, it's just a different way to stuff the meat and beans in a thing. <laughs> and at you the know, end, but it's everybody all... gets diarrhea. <laughs> exactly. <Sure. laughs> so, uh, but Frankenstein had a story. Yeah. And, it, you know, as I got a little bit older, I, I, I was always obsessed with that story. Yeah. And as I got a little bit older, I started to understand that Frankenstein isn't, well, the monster isn't an, actually a monster. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say Frankenstein because Frankenstein is the name of the monster. The name of the monster is Adam. Um, but the monster isn't actually a monster. He's, he, he didn't have any say in this at all. He's a tragic right. figure. Yeah. Right. You know, he didn't want to like, he put this, you know, uh, Victor Frankenstein put this brain into this guy and lit him up with a lot of electricity. And all of a sudden he's back from the dead and he doesn't know he's, you know, it's, he, he has no part in it. And in the end, you know, he becomes the, the, uh, the scapegoat, you know, right. something for the, for the mob to direct their anger towards. And that's the really scary part to me. Yeah. The mob mentality. Right. That's the, that, when I got older, I understood, oh, it's the mob. The mob is the scary part. I think that's why that story resonates with me. And I think that's a concept that I think that I think in our culture, we sort of talk down to children and dumb everything down for them. But it wasn't like that when I was younger, mm -hmm. you know, like <clears throat> my parents didn't necessarily censor themselves, you know, like I didn't watch like Scarface when I was in grade school, but there were films that were on TV that I was allowed to watch that I was, you know, I guess some people would shelter their children from these days, you know? Yeah. Um, we're afraid of our children getting hurt by the slightest little thing. And right. there's some, there's some legitimacy to that. I mean, you know, but at the same time, you have to learn on your own a little bit. Kids yeah. are resilient. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, I want to write these stories that are heavy concepts but something that a kid can read and go, you know, oh, this is a cool story because it's horror and it's fiction and, you know, it's got whatever vampires and I can relate to that. But on a deeper level, it's about something else. Like the book I'm working on right now is called Victor. The, the core of the story is about rage. 
mm. and what to do with your rage. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And anger, being so angry and full of rage and just, you know, that you're just going to bite somebody in the neck and just suck out all their blood because you're so angry, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Well, that's a horrible thought and it's got blood in it and stuff like that. But the overall theme of it is trying is learning how to, to manage your rage. But I'm not, but I don't want to spoon feed that. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, I always hate, like one thing I hate about uh, network television and sitcoms is they always fucking spoon, spoon feed you the, the moral at the end. Right. Like I got it already. I know. Yeah. I don't need. I don't need you to patronize me at the end of the show. I already know. Mm -hmm. Just throw a joke in, and it'll be better. Right. You know. But there's always. Well, I guess when you look at the other side of life, <laughs> you always. Da, 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 da. So you know, I guess you it, hated '90s so sitcoms. Oh. <laughs> I, I honestly like Friends is one of the worst shows I've ever fucking seen in my life. <laughs> that is pure hot garbage. It um. <laughs> It doesn't age well. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It hasn't. It really hasn't aged well. And speaking of <laughs> speaking of things relating to the LGBTQ community, rewatching that show in recent years, they uh, it's it's not woke. It's a tough. It's a tough look for for some of the characters, especially Chandler, and the way like there's so many like anti-gay uh, references on that show, and. Yeah. You know, I, there are people that are like that defend it and say, "Oh, well, you can't go back and you know, sort of, you know, uh, this just it was a certain time." And it's like, well, it it wasn't it wasn't good still. <laughs> like you, it's it yeah. Like I think we can retrospectively look back on certain shows and be like, "Did you uh, ever watch uh, Mr. Show?" Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the uh, what were they called? Indomitable Spirit that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 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 drummer with no arms. Right, right. <laughs> like you guys just don't like me because I don't have any arms. Well, having no arms helps, but it really is just because you're just a shitty drummer. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's because I don't have any arms. Yeah, well, yeah. That, like I said, it doesn't help. Right. But mostly you just suck. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. think I think yeah, getting back to your point though Andy, I think you're right that like some of the stuff that made the biggest impression on me as a little kid is the stuff that was kind of ambiguous or I didn't really know how to sort it out. Um mm -hmm. and so that tension actually helped form me and maybe it was like a little uncomfortable at the time, but it's you know, I've got two little kids too and I'm thinking about how to introduce them to stuff that's kind of scary that you know i thought it was kind of good for me to have, be scared a little bit when i was little about some stuff so what about like well i mean think about schwartz the oh, scary yeah. stories oh to gosh. tell in the dark yeah that oh was, that's great that was yeah, great. like talk about uh illustrations yeah. that on their <laughs> own warp your brain they're, forever. they're fucked up <laughs> yeah. Like yeah the stories on their own but the sort of like yeah minimalistic <laughs> yeah. ink drawings that were very like thread-like and very yeah, yeah. eerie and and it's a perfect example because i was like i am drawn to this and it horrifies me but like i yeah. need it in my brain yeah <laughs> so. because it felt it felt wrong in right. a way like there was something like i shouldn't be looking at something sure. but it's but it's for kids i guess yeah. <laughs> but it felt like we, i was getting away with something yeah i mean uh there's something about staring into the abyss that's attractive to certain people. 
Yeah. You know, um, and I think that that horror fiction and horror movies and stuff like that sort of lend itself well to that, yeah. to that certain personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, is it doesn't make you a dark or morbid person because you want to look there. And I think that there are kids that want to look there and talk about this stuff, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, um, like my son, he's all full of the hard questions right now. You know what I mean? And he just, you know, he wants to, he has this thing where he like, he wants, he says to me, dad, let's watch Dracula again. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we'll watch, you know, Bella Lugosi's Dracula. You know, I'm not going to show him 30 days of night, Sure. you know, but I will take him a little bit closer yeah. to the, to that dark place, but I'm going to hold his hand on the way there. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's great. I'm going to let him know I'm there. But and we'll stare into the abyss together, together, and sort of look at that dark place, and yeah, and try and figure out what it's all about. Yeah, that's you know, beautiful. That's what I love about Lovecraft, you know. Totally. I was just going to say, talk about staring into the abyss. It doesn't get get much more like Cthulhu Lovecraftian than that. Um, I just uh, I just reread the Rats in the Walls because I heard they're making oh, a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a movie so about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, re- I really love that story, man. Yeah. I wrote a I wrote a poem. I it, it's not in October, but it's it's similar to in some ways it's similar to uh, Poe's uh, The Conqueror Worm. Okay, but uh, it's about rats. Cool. Um, I want to see it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I don't know if it'll ever. Okay. See. I think we posted it on our on our Instagram. Okay. Cool. Um, but uh, it's called a Congregation of Rats, and it's okay. you know. Rats were here before we were here, mm-hmm. and they'll probably be here after we're gone. Hmm. Interesting. And it may be them that wipes us out. We don't know. You know what I mean? Like, the, how many times have rats almost wiped out the whole entire human population? Yeah, right. It was like it was like the plague and uh, smallpox and stuff like that. I mean, but they survive it. Yeah, totally. Speaking of rats, um, <laughs> I saw that you were you're a ghost fan and i was wondering what you thought about the the new uh, their prequel album that came out last year that had the song I, it's like, I think it's rubbish you really Ooh, hot take. i hate it you I hate garbage it. see it's it's uh it's one of those albums that has a lot of ghost fans divided there are not a lot of people who are in the middle. There are people who either it it brings a lot about a lot of strong opinions. <laughs> it's well, and the thing is, is like I'm I, I don't know if you listen to Opeth at all, but I like the direction that they went. Like they started with like a straight up black metal band, and now they're like this kind of doom metal prog rocky thing. Okay, and I love it, you know. But it's authentic. It's genuine. I think that the new the new ghost album is, I don't know. It's, I think it's, a, it's I very, don't like it. I like rats, but all of the other songs dance, uh, macabre. Dance, yeah. And yeah. That's terrible. It's garbage. <laughs> it's very, it's very arena rock. Yeah. Um, and you know, not one, but two, uh, uh, instrumentals and sax mm-hmm. solos and, um, yeah, and, like what the fuck is a saxophone <laughs> in a metal song? Yeah, yeah. it's a, it was a very hard turn. I mean, it still has 
a lot of their uh, a lot of the same imagery um but there are some songs on there that aren't my favorite i still think uh meliora is um probably their best, their best That's album their best I, it's it to me. It's it's crazy to see a band that's just like this in your face with satanic uh, imagery, uh, so popular and so mainstream. You know they mm-hmm. they played on Colbert. <laughs> you know that's there. Mm-hmm. It's 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 nuts to me, but yeah, I I still would like to see them. I was so excited. <laughs> for this record and I was so disappointed when it, when I finally got to listen to the whole thing. Um, even when rats came out, I was like, Oh, okay, this is a little different, but I'm, I can, you know, I can dig this. I like this. And then, and then I saw the video and he's doing like pirouettes and shit like that. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on with this band? Yeah. You, like, you this know, is biz- this is, this is spinal tap bizarre guys. Yeah. Like this isn't like I'm going a new direction. This is none more black. That's what this is. <laughs> once, once I heard about the the lead singer um, kind of dicking over a lot of his bandmates, I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh man, I really don't know how to feel about this this band, and I I like the record. Um, I it I know it's certainly different than their their previous their previous records and i think i'm just gonna need to deal with the fact that maybe they're maybe they aren't really gonna go back to that metal uh sound that they kind of started with uh with opus eponymous i mean that that was they haven't really put out a record like that in a long time so mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. I liked I um I liked the band because they weren't what you expected when you when you looked at the album cover right. and you saw this yeah overtly satanic cover art and stuff right. like that and this weird imagery. You expected a like a typical black metal band. Right. right? It's like and some not Norwegian so many, black metal. Not so many like, beautiful melodies and harmonies. Yeah. Which is what I like about the band is that right. I think they write it while they've written really good songs, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, I mean, Cerise is a great freaking song. It is. Man. It is. You know, um, in fact, that, that is what got me into the band was that song. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm a little Johnny come, come lately on that, but that, you know, like that, I heard the new record, man. I actually, I was just, I was so disappointed. Yeah. Like, oh man, this is just weird, weird. And I hated the new mask, dude. I I too am not into. I'm not into the, it either. With the I, mustache, he looks like a child molester. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I I am more of a of a fan of the Papa, Papa too. The Papa look, as opposed to Cardinal. Mm-hmm. It's not really my thing. He looks yeah. just so much more badass. He's like wearing a goddamn fedora and everything, mm-hmm. like. He looks like Lou Bega. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, ghost aside, would you be want to read anything from your? Uh, I don't know how it how the book is set up. If you want to read 
any of a, a like a passage or anything from Little? Because I know you just um, you got the books recently, right? Yeah, hold on, I got some copies over here. Um, it's just a few lines from the middle of a book. It's a children's book, so it's not very long. Sure. Little's quandary soon turned to fright. She ran to the shadows, away from the light, into an alley by a trash can and mop. She turned her eyes to the buildings up top. Way past the glass cleaning machines, she found the source of the most hideous screams. Cool. I'm very excited to read this. <laughs> so where can people find a copy of either of your books or both? You could go to our um, Facebook page or our Instagram page, which is Ink and Tea or at Ink and Tea. Um, it's Ink as in ink with a pen and mm -hmm. tea as in tea that you drink. Or you can go to our website. This is very 90s since we were talking about 90s. Go to our website <laughs> at www.ink-end-t.com. That's ink-end-t.com. And that's uh, an HTTPS colon slash slash before that too, right? Yes, yeah. yes yeah. Okay. make sure you put a semicolon. Um, that logo is badass. <laughs> well done. The, uh, the skull on the fountain pen. Uh, if you want, I could read something from yes. October. Yes, yeah, do. go for it. Uh, this is just a, a little snippet. Um, I haven't read this in a long time, so bear with me. But, uh, this is called The Painter. Uh, and it's just a little two-page story, and it's very dark. <laughs> cool. I like it. You'll love it. It's crazy dark and awesome. <laughs> crazy things. <clears throat> Starts with a quote from Macbeth. Life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that starts and uh, struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Uh, the painter. The apartment was the paradigm of luxurious living one could hope to acquire in a city full of psychophants and malignants. Quite respectable indeed. One could practically see the money dripping from the walls. That is, if it weren't for all the blood. Cain made quick work of the place, and the newlywed couple, a couple of high-dollar parasites that rented the midtown flat in New York City, of his entire body of work, this would truly be the apex of his endeavors. The 15-foot high wall behind the silk-laden California King with white headboard and gold leaf inlay looked like a Jackson Pollock painting. Kane really took his time with this one. No rush. He had plenty of time to complete his work. The spray and splatter like peacock feathers in various shades of red and pink that made graceful lines as they oozed from the more saturated splatters. The perfectly placed splashes that dotted the chandelier created a spectral ambience for his magnum opus as they cast ghostly shadows about the room. He was careful not to make too much of a mess of the gold silk sheets. He needed just enough blood to add contrast and depth to his work. The bodies were positioned in a lover's embrace, and he folded up the bloody sheets in the shape of flowers around the corpses. He had broken both of their ring fingers and had left on their left hands. Finally, the piece de resistance, his maker's mark, at the foot of the bed, on the white oak floor, painted in the subject's blood, he wrote the words, death comes to us all the same. 
patient, cool, calculated, the mark of a true artist. And like most artists, unappreciated in his time. <laughs> Once he was satisfied with his achievement, Kane carefully stripped off the blue plastic jumpsuit and, and hairnet. He stepped into the restroom and began to run the shower. Out of a small duffel bag, he produced a pair of gray trousers, red and white checkered button-down shirt, a pair of fresh blue jockeys, black socks, a pair of Italian leather shoes, suspenders, a cravat, and pocket square, a black pork pie hat, and a gray tweed jacket, which he hung carefully on the hanger. He discarded the plastic outfit uh, and pulled out a new pair of booties to replace the old ones that he had soiled from his work. Careful not to make a mess, he folded the blood-spattered clothes, put them in a plastic bag, and placed them in the row in the now empty duffel before stepping into the shower. The water was like a baptism, and all of his sins were washed away as traces of crimson spray and coagulated spots slowly diluted into soap and water. It all disappeared down the drain. Brahms' funeral chant played softly in the deepest caverns of his subconscious. Cain bowed his head, closed his eyes, and prayed, Dear Lord, forgive me of my sins and transgressions. I am truly sorry for what I've done. I accept you into my heart as I have done so many times before. I ask for your grace to wash away my sins and to let your sacrifice make me new so I can continue your work and spread a message of faith, hope, and love through your gospel until the end until the day of our holy judgment on mankind. Amen. Cain got out of the shower, toweled himself off, produced a bottle of bleach to sterilize the bathtub, placed the towel in the plastic bag, then he took his time to get dressed and comb his hair perfectly. He placed the pork pie hat carefully over his newly coiffed hair and pulled the brim a touch to adjust it. After putting on a new pair of booties over the fine leather Italian shoes, Cain made his way to the telephone and dialed 911. I'd like to report an incident, a murder in fact, he said, as calmly as if he were giving directions to the gas station. He walked to the front door of the flat, stopping halfway to check himself briefly in the hallway mirror, took off his booties at the door, and stuffed them into the duffel bag. He opened the door and said under his breath, Blessings to all who enter here, for this is the house of the Lord. He crossed himself, closed the door, Behind him, and in a puff of dust, Cain, the prophet of the Most High God, vanished into the ether. Wow. <laughs> that, is, that is heavy <laughs> and dark and profound. <laughs> but that is The Painter. Cool. Wow. Thank you so much for reading, man. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Is that is this a like just a single story, or is this a character that comes back? No, it's not, I mean, I, I think originally I had thought about bringing him back and like maybe making an entire story out of it, but I think I just like it as <clears throat> so the whole point of the story to me when I wrote it is um as sort of explained by the first little blurb from Macbeth, you know, we're just these people that walk around and are sort of you know, we're just fools that that blindly go through life and there's no sort of recourse for actions or anything like that and um you know the whole bit where he calls 911 uh really reminded me of Dennis Rader when or like a, it was sort of a callback to Dennis Rader when he called um 
the police to let him know, let them know that there was a, uh, a homicide and told them where the address was and stuff like that. Hmm. It's just kind of painting a scene of like a, what a what a sociopath must be thinking mm-hmm, in right. their mind when they do this stuff. You know, a psychopath is someone who does, who has no concept of emotion right? or, uh, and is incapable of empathy, right? you know, and it just makes it all the more weird with all the religious stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, it does. You know? I feel it tied together a lot of uh, things we've talked about tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the just absolute disconnect between the two, right. the two things that. You know, especially with a lot that's in the evangelical world these days where they can espouse so much about morality and family values on one hand and on the other hand, lift up Donald Trump as the greatest president. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we'll leave it at that. Little will be available on February 11th. So. Yes, uh, it's available right now for pre-sale. Okay. So you can go to either our website, our website, or there's a link in our bio on um, Instagram, and also lots of posts on it on our Facebook page. Uh, so if you go to our either of those, you'll be able to be directed to where you can go to buy the book. Right on. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. We appreciate you taking the time, and we absolutely look forward to seeing you in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and just, I guess, two months from today. Yeah. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Cool. Have some fun. All right. Take care. All right, we'll see you. Bye. See you Bye. there. All right, John. This is uh, this has been a fun episode. Want to thank Andy Verdecchio for giving us time today. Yes, it was fun to stare into the abyss with him. <laughs> and we He's did. a cool dude. He's a cool dude. We're super pumped about uh, him bringing the thunder with yeah. Five Iron mm-hmm. in March. Uh, the MXPX show. If you don't have tickets, then too bad because. They're both sold now out. officially sold out. Yep. Uh, much like John sold out years ago. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, I you know once he once he gave up his Tiger Jack. Yeah, um, it's all downhill it was from there. It's all downhill. Uh, yeah, go check out uh, Ink and Tea Publishing to get uh, those Andrew Videcchio books. Yes. Thanks again to Andy, and if you would like to tell us what you thought about that conversation or anything else. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can subscribe or rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Send us an email at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 872-7-MAG-POD. If you want to keep the MAGPOD train running on schedule, you can support us over at our Patreon, patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. And on the next episode, we are not exactly sure what we'll cover, but it'll be something tertiarily related to MXPX. (laughs) Uh, And whatever we talk about, when we do, it'll be about time for a podcast at our house. And it wouldn't be the same without you. So join us, won't you?
Ring.